Think about those famous courtroom TV shows you know, from Harry Mason to The Good Wife or Ally McBeal and so many more. The courtroom scenes almost always were the trial of the person. The trial was never about the law. Jurors can judge the law just as they are expected to judge the guilt or innocence of the defendant. But most people don't know that they have this incredible power. My guest today aims to fix that knowledge gap. The Culinary Libertarian Podcast, episode 162. Welcome to the Culinary Libertarian Podcast, where the philosophy is free, but the food is on you. Culinary Libertarian, welcome back to the podcast. Happy to have you here. Happy to be here. My stepdad used to love popcorn. He also used to love margarine. Well, you can still love popcorn, but instead of margarine, add the popcorn flavor combinations from Savory Spice. Use my affiliate link, culinarylibertarian.com slash savoryspice and choose between frosted cinnamon bun, garlic and dill pickle, or creamy mac and cheese flavored seasonings for your popcorn. Surf forward to culinarylibertarian.com slash savory spice for your popcorn seasonings, or click the link on the show notes page. My guest today is Bob Smiley. Bob is a trucker of 30 years, a husband, a father, and a grandfather, and for the last six years or so, has become highly active in his area of Texas, making informed jurors by teaching them about jury nullification. He'll get into what that means and why that's important. As we get into the discussion, the talk gets frank about life in prison. I've also left a few of the adult words in for this episode. Hello, Bob. Thank you for joining me today on the Culinary Libertarian Podcast. Well, thanks for having me. My pleasure. So before we get into our topic today, which is going to be fun, it's jury nullification. Uh, Give us a bit of a background on you and kind of how did you get into this space? Um, when Ron Paul ran in 2012, I had a guy give me a little booklet called the Citizens uh, Rule Book, and it was uh, all about jury nullification and uh, the history. And uh, so that sparked my attention. And as I was uh, trying to weave my way around the Republican Party in Texas, I realized that it was uh, a dead end. They, they don't allow... Um, uh, for a limited government and for freedom and liberty. So um, I started talking about jury nullification and jury powers. And uh, about five and a half years ago, in 2015, um, did you hear about the the Twin Peaks shooting in in Waco with a bunch of biker clubs? Honestly, I don't know. Okay. All right. So the... uh, DEA, the U.S. Marshals, the ATF, uh, probably the FBI too, um, the state troopers and the Waco PD showed up an hour, two hours early, and they set up cameras at this Twin Peaks for a, there was a Congress of Clubs clubs meeting uh, where a bunch of different mom and pops and some bigger clubs come together and talk about politics. And, um, but the cops showed up set up the cameras, got in sniper position, and um, when uh, uh, a bunch of bikers uh, uh, showed up, they uh, pretty much unloaded, the, the cops actually unloaded on the, the, uh, the bikers. Uh, that was all done in audio. People could hear that it was the cops first. Nine were shot dead, 20 were injured. People were running for their lives. Uh, there were a few bikers that did draw their weapons, um, but 
the majority of the bikers there, a couple hundred bikers, they all were running for their lives. And they called that a, um, a gang fight. I knew it wasn't a gang fight. I could see it. I'm not a biker. But uh, they came up with blanket charges on everybody. They came up with a million-dollar bail for everybody. And they also said that they were going to make an example out of these people. I'm like, holy cow. That's when I just immediately, within weeks, I started going down to Waco. Waco's about 100 miles away from my home. Um, and I started making fully informed jurors getting ready for their trials. Uh, but not only them, actually. Uh, they've had their problems in Waco before, right, with the Branch Davidians. The federal government torched a bunch of women and children and, and, their, and their fathers and husbands and, and whatnot. Uh, so... And Fiji, did, the Fully Informed Jury Association did a lot of work down there back then. And so I decided that I was going to start a campaign, and I'm still doing that campaign. Um, it has not stopped in the last five and a half years. Uh, even though there's no more biker trials, the first one ended, ended up in a 11 to 1 not guilty. Um, and they've since dropped all the cases, which they should have. Uh, but we're still down there saving lives because we realize how crooked the politics are down there, as is as everywhere. So that's how I got started. I wanted uh, to make as many fully informed jurors in McLennan County as I could. And plus, we had people at the courthouses handing out brochures every time jurors were, were brought in. And those, so those brochures look like this. So. Um, We've got all kinds of different brochures that we hand hand out. So, for you in Texas, that's just for you in Texas at the local level. But the idea of jury nullification can be anybody in any state, anywhere, at any time. Sure, absolutely. I'm not the only one doing this. There's uh, lots of great folks that uh, have been doing this for a lot of years. Fiji's been around for just over 30 years. It was started by the uh, uh, head, of, head of the Libertarian Party in Montana, uh, Larry Dodge, and another guy named Don Duig and several others. They started this organization, the Fully Informed Jury Association. And uh, they really ramped it up when the Branch, Branch Davidians were um, going to trial. So, uh, but they've, they've been vested all over the country. I'm going to read a quote from a known to libertarian philosopher slash lawyer slash writer, but it's, it's partly to illustrate that the idea of jury nullification, we're going to get into what does that mean, because it sounds like a big phrase, and it kind of is, but it, it, has, it has some important meaning. But there's a quote from Lysander Spooner. Who wrote, quote, for more than 600 years, that is, since Magna Carta in 1215, there has been no clearer principle of English or American constitutional law than that in criminal cases, it is not only the right and duty of juries to judge what are the facts, what is the law, and what was the moral intent of the accused, but that it is also their right and their primary and paramount duty to judge of the justice of the law and to hold all laws invalid that are, in their opinion, unjust or oppressive and all persons guiltless in violating or resisting the execution of such laws, end quote. That's probably as succinct as it can be explained that when a person's on a jury, of course, we have all watched Perry Mason. We know that your job as a juror is to decide the guilt or innocence of the person. But Perry Mason never mentioned to decide the, well, this is the part I need some information on. Is that the morality or the legality of the law? Is the juror, so is jury nullification, what part is the jury nullifying? Well, you know, Larry Dodge said that conscience is king in the jury room. And so we bring, you know, uh, the justice, the, 
uh, into the courtroom. We're the judges as jurors. We're the ones that that uh, uh, decide what was right and what's wrong. And um, there's a guy named Andrew Hamilton. He was an attorney uh, back in 1700s. Uh, he basically said if, if the juror doesn't judge the law, they're useless. Uh, so uh, most of our state constitu- constitutions have a bill. Well, well, they do have a bill of rights, Article 1. Um, our, our Article uh, 1, Section 8 talks about uh, judging the law. It says the jurors that judge the law as well as the facts in all cases in Texas. Um, <clears throat> so it is our duty to judge the laws. Uh, jury nullification is one of those things where, you know, it's kind of a broad spectrum thing. You can, uh, even if somebody broke a law, if somebody miss, you know, uh, say that state is misapplying a law, um, we, we nullify where it's being misused. And in this country, uh, we've pretty much just become a land of laws and we lost the land of liberty. So we, I firmly believe that uh, if I can get one juror on every case, I can back their courthouses up something fierce and... Uh, um, that's, that's one of my plans. I want, I want one juror on every, every trial, uh, at, uh, keeping that government in check. Of course, we'd like a 12 to acquit, but, um, you know, one does, one does the trick actually and stops the gears of injustice. So. Yeah, so you've mentioned that most states have this in their Bill of Rights. Do do the people you run into, are they, I would, ima- I would imagine you probably get a broad spectrum of responses and, and, and surprise maybe that the idea that little old me, little old you, whoever you're handing the pamphlet to, has the power to decide that this law is not a just law. What, what is, is there a common reaction to this information? Um, sure. Some, some people uh, have been indoctrinated, indoctrinated enough to, to believe that where we need to change laws is only in the, um, uh, uh, the legislature. And, so they firmly believe that. But usually I like to use founders' quotes. Uh, John Jay, the first Supreme Court chief uh, Supreme Court justice, says that the jurors to judge the law as well as the facts. Uh, even Alexander Hamilton said that. Uh, Thomas Jefferson was a proponent for it. Um, so uh, one of my favorite quotes comes from Harlan Stone. He was a Supreme Court justice in the 1940s, and he said the law is on trial quite as well as the cause to be decided. I mean, it's kind of hard for people to, ref- to refute uh, those kind of quotes. And from such a, such a history in this country of, of uh, people that were in important positions to, um, to say those things. Even Sonia Sotomayor, the most recent Supreme Court justice, says that if it wasn't for jury nullification, uh, the civil rights movement probably wouldn't have happened the way it did because the jurors were acquitting. So um, we just got to get that word out to folks that this is your job. And especially when we can point it out in the, in the state constitution that it, that they, it is, you know, that's jury nullification is the jurors judging the law and nullifying bad laws. So. Now I'm, I'm not, a legal expert of pretty much any kind, but I've seen and given. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's a meme, so of course you know the authority of it is skeptical. But <clears throat> there's been suggestions that uh, in the state of New York there are what ninety thousand laws for the state, and never mind. I mean, how many how many federal laws are there? And I, I think that. If that's right, and I don't have reason to doubt it, it's kind of alarming to think that, well, all we need is one more from the legislature, and that'll fix it all. It's like there's this little linchpin law that makes everything fall in line. Do you, do you get into 
does your do your conversations get into the legislature and you know so you have the legislature the government you have the executive the government and the courts with the government and we have investigated ourselves and found out we've done nothing wrong do they they did they have a sense of powerfulness or at least some is there any kind of a light bulb moment going on for these people well you know i usually just show that that uh we already have bad. We already have laws to stop. You know, to, to try people with that are bad. We've got mur- laws against murder, laws against rape, laws against theft, armed robbery, uh, home invasion. Those laws are already there. Uh, we don't need all these these other laws. Uh, we don't need the prohibition laws, right? Um, I don't. I believe that you should be free to do whatever you want with your own body. Uh, as far as owning a, a firearm, uh, we're uh, supposed to, uh, uh, it's not supposed to be in French, right? But we've got over 23,000 laws against our right to bear arms in this country. Uh, New York is a prime example. It's one of those places that uh, absolutely uh, despises guns, New York City. And there was, a, there was a story about a guy named John Getz. Have you ever heard that story where he was on a subway? Yeah. And uh, he defended himself with a gun from the assailants. I have $5 for each of you. Bang, 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 bang. Yeah. And uh, the jurors acquitted him. They said, that was a bad law. And bad pros- the prosecution was bringing multiple charges against John. And, and uh, the jurors said, no, we're, we're not going to have that. He had a right to protect himself. And he did. And rightfully so. Not guilty. All those laws, uh, that there, or all those stat charges went right out the window. It seems like there's two main sources of, I, I, we, we, we'll, for sake of discussion, we'll call them good laws. Natural laws, taking a life is clearly a wrong thing to do, and property rights. So taking someone's stuff, taking someone's life, that's that kind of blends them the same thing. Those, I think, are reasonable, and I think you'd have a pretty hard time finding somebody who disagrees with those being sound, reasonable laws. And when you get in, and so I agree with you about the prohibition one. So if, if you cause harm driving a car, the contents of your blood at the moment of causing the harm are fairly irrelevant. You've caused harm. So do it's still kind of a new thing to me because I I go in circles and listen to podcasts that talk about this. It's not as new to me, so I'm still trying to see if we can flush out some some empowerment for the listeners who say jury nullification. What 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 are you talking about? So give is there more meat I'm missing on this bone? Well, you know, I don't get too technical with this. Um, usually when I, when I try to educate a juror, I just try to give it in a nutshell that, that their job is to bring in their conscience, uh, that they're uh, to judge the witnesses, to judge the laws, to judge the judge, the prosecution. Is the judge trying to uh, stop the jury from hearing from something? Uh, are they telling the, the jurors to... Uh, you know, strike uh, something that don't or disregard evidence. Um, you know, I just basically tell jurors that they, you know, they are the the final judge, the final final peaceful uh, barrier between tyranny and and the defendant. And uh, it's really that simple. Um, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot to. Um, Educating jurors, uh, they have to survive voidir, which is jury deselection. As the uh, the government's trying to pick a jury that's uh, uh, going to give them a, a favorable, um, uh, they're going to get a guilty uh, verdict out of them. Um, they uh, uh, make them take uh, oaths uh, that aren't binding, and so it kind of scares people into 
you know, applying the laws given. So the jurors need to go, know before they even go in there that they don't have to apply the law. Um, that is not, uh, that's jury tampering again. Um, the jurors also need to know that 95% of the state cases are um, pled out. They were ter- These folks were being terrorized. And uh, the criminal actually takes plea bargains because they get off easier, right? But there's a lot of innocent people that are just scared into taking a plea bargain. And uh, so I tell jurors that those five, that 5% in that state level really uh, believes that you're going to have their back. And the majority of them, not all of them, but the majority of them are, uh, you know, have a good case. Um, I also want jurors to know that, you know, like expert witnesses, who hires expert witnesses? The state does. The state has an endless amount of money, right? So uh, <clears throat> I think we need to take those with a grain of salt. Um, I tell jurors that potential jurors that, uh, let's say drug testing labs, they get paid to drug drug test a substance, um, but they also get a bonus if that that uh, test brings back a helps bring a conviction. Uh, so what does that tell you about the industry? Um, you know, um, judges are supposed to be like a referee, and they're not supposed to be bullies, but we see bullies. And people need to know that they're not the final authority, and, and uh, um, the the juror the juror is the final authority. So um, I don't want people to talk about jury nullification because you can get removed from the jury. The only time you talk about jury power is when that trial is over with and you're outside that building. Uh, you don't give them a chance to do anything. Uh, to anyone. The jurors used to be told about uh, their powers all the way up until the 1890s. And there was a case, Sparf uh, versus the USA. And uh, they had an opinion, upper court opinion, that uh, uh, the jurors didn't have to be told about their rights and powers anymore. Um, That's one of the big flaws in our system. So if we can get them educated prior to going in there, and make sure that you know people know that they can't be punished for voting not guilty. They can't be punished for uh, uh, stopping a government pro- prosecution. Then uh, that that helps jurors uh, not be afraid and and do what they're supposed to do. Um, do you know the story about William Penn? Probably not. Okay, sixteen seventy England. Uh, William Penn was a Quaker preacher, and uh, the king had something called the Conventicle Act. You could not uh, preach anything in his country uh, to his people uh, other than the, the Church of England's doctrination. And uh, William Penn, since he was a Quaker, he's going to teach his Quaker uh, uh, religion. Went to his church. They closed his church up. He said, fine, we'll just do this in the street. And... Um, so he uh, preached to his uh, congregation in the street, and they arrested him. Well, the jurors in that case, there's four of them that felt that he had a right to do that, and they voted not guilty. And uh, the, the, the judge had those four people locked up. Um, I wish I could remember the guy's name. Uh, he was a shipping magnet. One of the jurors was a very rich, wealthy man. Uh, Anyway, he uh, he told the judge, he says, my my liberties are not for sale. Well, anyway, that was a that was a pretty corrupt court, and we uh, they locked these guys up for nine weeks. They uh, William Penn was locked up too. Uh, they starved them. They uh, didn't feed them. They they four point shackled them. It was it was miserable. But uh, these guys held to their principles. An upper court finally overruled and uh william penn was set free uh, the jurors uh, all ended up voting not guilty uh when william penn came here we got in our first amendment the federal first amendment uh the freedom of uh to to gather freedom to uh of religion freedom that 
uh, of how you want to worship. The government can't tell you what to worship. Um, and actually, you can even say freedom of the press because they got to, you know, uh, um, have their principles and their religion. So that case was pretty powerful. That was a case that uh, marked where jurors could not get in trouble for their verdict. That was a pretty big case in this in this world, and uh, uh, so William Penn was uh, kind of fed up with England. Came here and we he settled in Pennsylvania, and uh, our court system very much benefited from that case. So, but unfortunately today we have some problems. So quite a few problems. Yes. Well, you know, there's so the. Even in really unattractive courtrooms, and I, I mean, my knowledge of courtrooms is based on the one time I was selected to be a juror and, and never got there. I read, read a Greek cookbook while waiting to be dismissed. Um, but mostly what I think most of us know is from TV, from really well-produced shows like The Good Lawyer or TV of some less quality. And it looks like a really intimidating place, probably on purpose. Um, and, and you're told by this authority with the power of the state, the sheriff next to him, that these are the rules and you have to follow rules. And it's easy to empathize with somebody who feels completely overwhelmed. It's not, that's an easy to understand. That's easy to get. For, so there's two things. For the one who dares listen and hold to the conviction of judging the law, is that person possibly going to experience peer pressure from the other ones to say, oh, just shut up and go along, like 12 Angry Men, the movie, which was a good movie, by the way. Um, or, well, so let's ask that, and then I want to have another question about what to do? What 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 to do as a juror? So do, is peer pressure? Is that something that you hear back from that happens? Sure, I've got a friend of mine that uh, was on a case, uh, DWI case, and she uh, was the only holdout. Uh, she was hanging the jury, and uh, everyone felt that the guy was guilty and needed to go to go to jail. Um, since there was no victim, she. Uh, did her best to stand her ground, but the 11 jurors beat her down and she broke down crying and she gave in and she gave him a guilty vote. I'll tell you, that's another problem with the, the court system is something called the Allen charge, or it's also called uh, the dynamite charge. Have you ever heard of those? I have not. Okay. So that's where, the jury comes back the first time and they and they've got one person or a couple people hanging the jury and the jury the judge says okay we're going to send you back into deliberations to see if we can't get that that one person usually uh uh to change their mind and they will keep sending them back and sending them back and sending them back because they'd rather not have to retry the case um that in itself after that first time, that first time that he sends that jury uh, back into deliberations because he doesn't like their what they came out with, with a hung jury, that's jury tampering. Uh, we should never have an Allen charge ever again in this country. Um, even def the defense uh, will go along with that, which is bull. There's been cases where the defense will make Back, or, uh, back room deals were, well, if they get a guilty verdict, then we'll take the, you know, something off the table and it'll be a lesser charge or a lesser sentence. Right. The defense has no business doing that. It needs to end up in a uh, hung jury. It needs to be tried again. They got to prove their case. And I don't care how many times they have it, but instead they'll send somebody back into or jurors back into deliberation time and time and time again. And then when it becomes Friday night, right, after several days, People want to go home and be with their families. And you know what? Um, it's unfortunate, but in this country, there's a lot of people that sell their principles short and 
just to go home and so they can go out to eat and go to the football game and and uh, or not be there. Yeah, and so they just vote guilty to be done with it. I have seen success stories like in Waco. Um, we've educated probably at least forty thousand people down there. Uh, they have just under two hundred. I think at the time they had about under two hundred thousand people when I first started. Um, that's pretty impressive, and that's a, that's adults, that's a, not not kids and elder elderly. That's that's a huge portion of uh, the jury pool. So um, I've had more jurors down there. Uh, they set a truck driver free. He uh, was being fined pretty heavy by the police for. They said reckless driving. He just was in, it was in a curve, and it was raining, and he straightened out the curve, and nobody got hurt. A mailbox got taken down. But they were going to fine him like 2500 bucks, and the juror said, nope, not guilty. And uh, so the revenue generation scheme was, was halted. And uh, uh, I've had people come up to me before and say, hey, uh, you're the jury guy. Uh, we had a, we, I was called to jury duty, and a we had a bad cop trying to take somebody down and, and we didn't allow it. And you gave me, uh, he goes, you gave me that second amendment brochure. And, uh, so, uh, this is working and, and I'll tell you a couple of the projects I've got going. Uh, I've got, I still got McLennan County. That's going to be lifelong. I want all their, I want that 200,000 people educated, but we've got a County here. Uh, just east of Dallas is Rockwell County. It's the smallest county in Texas. Most counties average about 1,000 square miles. Uh, this county is 127 landmass square miles. About 100, I think 144, 145 uh, square miles with their lake. So it's got over 50, just over 15,000 homes. Um, I've already walked one-third of those homes, me and a few other people, and handed out this brochure guilty not guilty has a nice flow chart and um and uh so we've got door hangers and talk to as many people as we can we do sign waves there i'm gonna that's a long, another long-term project uh i want that county to never be able to seat another uh uninformed jury they're gonna know what their rights and powers are so will this county end prohibition i hope will they end these nasty nasty gun laws I hope. Um, will they end uh, government uh, 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 theft by taxation? I hope. So um, I've got that county project going. That's uh, 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 called the Fully Informed County Project that Fiji is working with me hand, hand in hand with. And, uh, the last pro and the last project I'm doing, I just started. There's uh, another little county in central Texas called Milam County. Uh, a biker was going through the county, and he uh, had an LTC license to carry. Uh, the government issued him. He paid for the, the money to get his uh, license to, to own, you know, carry a weapon on him. And uh, since he was a bandito, they said, oh, you're on a red flag list. Uh, you're not supposed to have a gun. Well, they arrested him, put him in jail, took his gun. Uh, he went to trial, and the judge and the prosecution, uh, everybody in that courtroom was told that the jury could not hear the evidence that he had an LTC. That the government gave him the right to carry that uh, sidearm. When I heard about that, I was like, mm. we went down there and opened carried twice down there so far, our long guns just a protest, but also hand out as many brochures as we can, as we, as we could. Uh, it's a town of 25,000 or a, a, a county of 25,000. It is a hundred or 1000 square landmass miles. That's too much for me to walk it's a lot of country, but what's cool is there's a gun show coming up and I am going to give these brochures out. And I'm also going to have stacks of 12 bundled. For each, each uh, person going to the show, and I'm going to ask them, I'm going to tell them that we need how we how we end uh, these laws in Texas, these bad laws, is I want them to uh, uh, make sure that our rights to bear arms are, shall not be infringed, which means if there's a gun charge, 
not guilty, no matter what it is. We already have laws that, that are against people doing bad things. So each person at that gun show is going to get 12 more of these to go out and make his own jury uh, from his peers, his neighbors. So I hope to have hundreds of people going to work for me just doing 10 minutes of work, making 12 uh, fully informed jurors. Um, that might save the, this guy's going back to a retrial. Um, so I want, uh, I want that jury pool ready for this guy. They should not be able to touch our right to bear arms period. The end. We don't need these laws. There are, are like I said, there's already laws in place. Just, you know, uh, uh, there are for, uh, people that are bad. So, and why is it being retried? What happened? Ah. Prosecution saw how, uh, good question, prosecution saw that uh, the jurors were leaning for the de defendant, and he called for a mistrial. There's a lot of problems in this system. Yes, sir. So, imagine how much problems they're going to have when they got a fully informed jury pool. More. Yeah, I, uh, this is a great, this, this, is, this is one of the greatest messages you can, you know, I can put out there, so. And I'm very is passionate that, about it. Uh, anticipatory deliciousness to this. I hope it comes out well. <laughs> yes, right. Like, like those steaks I see you grill. Yes. So the people can't see it, but your shirt reads, good people nullify bad laws. So you mentioned that a, a person, an informed juror, can't, well, Tell me what the person can't do, but more importantly, for somebody who's listening and tomorrow or the next day gets a jury notification, said, well, I like the idea of, of having the power to, to, to judge this. What, what should that person, how should that person behave? What can, more importantly, perhaps, what can't that juror do and, and risk well, I guess you can do it, but you risk being thrown off the jury, and then you aren't being an effective, informed juror. So we, so yeah, so we we need the jurors to survive voidir, or some people call it vordire. And That's jury they call selection, but it's actually deselection. So um, people need to dress average, uh, be average. They need to answer questions truthfully, but minimally. Uh, when asked questions, uh, can you apply the law as given? Um, say, you know, sure I can. Doesn't mean you will, right? You just got to be a little bit more clever with your words. Um, show that you're open-minded, unbiased, and, and never expose that you know uh, about jury nullification. They don't need to know that. Um, you know, uh, I think that we just we see these judges in their dresses and this they're up on a pedestal and all this wood and stone and beautiful uh woodwork and these lawyers in their suits and we think we're in this um, that these people are smarter than us they're not they've been just trained how to manipulate the system and uh it's just our job is actually just fairly simple we're, we're just Go in there and judge everything. Uh, it's okay to say, you know what, I th think that cop's lying. Or uh, we shouldn't have uh, put people in jail for smoking pot. Um, we shouldn't put a farmer in jail for selling raw milk. It's okay to say no to that stuff. And you're not going to get in trouble. And, um, uh, you know, if the judge is saying you've got... Uh, to the jury that uh, that they have to apply the laws given, or they have to disregard evidence. Um, right then and there, it should should make you doubt the case, and and uh, uh, you know vote uh, vote not guilty. Um, it's an easy check on the system. Did you did you know that we have less than five percent of the world's population in the U.S.? Yeah, I guess. It's about. If you think about it, it, it makes sense. Three hundred thirty million and eight billion. So I mean, I <laughs> so so I don't think about it like that. But yeah, it makes sense. Okay, so we have twenty five percent of the world's prison population. 
seven and a half. Well, that seems disproportionate. Yeah, so seven and a half billion people. We've got three hundred thirty million people, and we've got twenty five percent of the world's prison population. The fastest growing prison population in the United States in the last three decades is women. Has grown eight hundred percent. We have. 30% of the world's women's prison population in this country. 60% of those women that are in prison had no victim in their crime. Right. 80% of those women were the main caregivers of their children. And uh, as a father, that just appalls me. Uh, I'm very... Uh, I hate that. Uh, we put murderers in jail we don't put moms in jail because they smoke some pot or they might have right. smoked that might have sold some pot to make ends meet the government so. the government's doing it right now in a lot of states and they're making money and we still got these women in jail because you know um texas uh has the largest prison population of the country uh, we have 29 million people. California has, I believe, 40 or 41 million. We have a larger prison population than California. We have about 101... Wait a minute. Say that again. Texas has a larger prison population than California. Yes. And we've got 11 million less people. That's That's stupefying. Yeah. So... We have 101 state penitentiaries and about 15 federal. 15 of those, those all those 116 prisons are, are private. Uh, 12 of the state are private. Three of the federal are private. So that argument goes right out the window. What they do in Texas, you get state hung up in their state penitentiary, you go to work for free. They don't care if it's 120 degrees in the sun they don't care if you're freezing to death you're going to work and make a product you're going to make brooms shovels license plates chemicals chairs desks credenzas uh you're going to make all kinds of goods you may be doing agricultural work um and you're going to do it for free and you're not going to have any comforts you're going to eat shit food excuse my language but what they feed those people they shouldn't even they shouldn't feed soy and corn and crap. It's not real food to me. Um, and so um, these folks make all these products. And guess who the main buyer of these products is? I would imagine the state and all their fancy offices. So they get a bunch of money back to them, right? So uh, the government is their customer. How disgusting. What a racket. Now, check this out. When you when you get out of prison, you're not free. You're marked a felon for the rest of your life. You don't get to reach your full potential. I tell you where you can live, where you can work, what you can do. You know, uh, of course, you got the halfway houses first. That's a racket in itself. Most of the time, that just helps send people back into prison recidivism. But if you do make it and you do get a job, well, there's companies out there that are working with these prisons. Uh, like for, there's a furniture company out there. Um, for some reason, I'll think of the name, but um, Marco, Marco Corporation. You ever heard of them? I have not. Okay, so they're all around Fort Worth, Texas. They make all the, they make uh, for Walmart, Kroger, Tom Thumb, grocery stores, convenience stores. Anything to whole food or beverage or, you know, they make uh, like the, the produce stands, they make those for them. The, if you go to the beer store and they get the tub where they put the iced beer down, they make those for them. Uh, if you, uh, you know, maybe a ice area for meat uh, uh, for a grocery store. Videos, they make the bins for those cabinets. Those are all prisoner made outside the prison. Marco Corporation helps these people. They help them by paying them shit wages. And they offer them 
a place to stay, which they've got to pay those shit wages back into the company. So they become a big real estate, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, tycoon. And uh, they also get uh, um, tax uh, 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 cuts. They get, for every 200 employees, they get about a million dollars in tax breaks. So what a scam. And that's not just, there's a ton of, uh, of, uh, of friend, felon-friendly um Places. And I'm grateful for that, right? I want them to have jobs. But by God, let them reach, reach their potential. Um, don't hold them down with that uh, felony. Uh, and pay them a decent wage. Uh, $10 an hour is crap here these days. You, our, our homes are $300,000 for a three-bedroom, two-bath. You can't afford that on 10 bucks an hour. No. Um, but so... Uh, there are a lot of corporations out there that are pretty evil. They're getting tax breaks. They're keeping their, uh, they hire these prisoners, these ex-prisoners, and they basically get their money back by charging them rent. Isn't that sick? It reminds me of the, uh, well, as it was told in the Sissy Spacing movie, the coal mining industry in West Virginia. Go and give the money back to the company, go to the company store. Right. Right. I just can't, can't afford to quit and can't afford to work. I just read this book recently. Uh, you are going to prison by Jim Hogshire. So he, he, uh, he talks about, um, everything there is about going to jail. You're going to get in fights. You're going to be challenged. So if a juror is going to send somebody to jail, they need to know that you're going to send 19-year-old kid that got busted with some pot, peaceful guy, didn't hurt anybody. You're going to send him into a gang. He's going to have to separate himself into whether he's white, black, or Latino. And so now he's in a system of racism, and he's going to have to fight. He's going to have to prove himself. Now, those that don't prove themselves are most likely going to get raped. More men are raped in this country than, than women, and it's done in the prison system. They say this is low, but they say 300,000 men a year get raped in the prison system. And they get raped by guards 50% of the time, and they get raped by prisoners. And there's all kinds of ways they scam newcomers in there. They may give them, um, someone may put someone under their wing and help them and get adjusted and give them some ramen noodles, give them some coffee, give them some cigarettes, give them some joints. And by the way, you did know that drugs are prevalent in our prisons, right? That easy yes. access to anything you want. Why? Because the warden likes it that way, because it helps sedate the prisoners. And that's sick. So these young kids get in there, and if they can't fight their way and prove themselves, they get raped. There's one thing they do, they do... Um, covered wagon where they take the bunk beds and they set them up to where the guards can't see what's going on in the middle. They pull the sheets over the side and they go to the guy and say, hey man, uh, gave you all this ramen noodles and candy bars and drinks and you owe me something. Can you pay up? Oh, you can't? Well, you're giving me your ass. Then they give them a, some, some Vaseline and they say, Grease yourself up. Now, there's a bunch of people holding this old boy down, right? Uh, he's scared, does what he does, and, and then when the, when he reports the folks that uh, he just got raped, uh, if they listen to him, the, the, the rapists say, well, he wanted it. Go look at his finger. He's got grease on it. He greased himself up for this. Um. So jurors need to know they are putting people in a real wicked position. And um, they're going to get beat up. They're going to get raped. They're going to get raped. They possibly get shanked. I'll tell you a story of a guy that was in this book. 19 years old, 20 years old, got busted with weed. Had a two-year sentence. 
He uh, tried to avoid everything he could, just wanted to serve his time and get the hell out of there. Um, so he showered late at night when nobody was around because he didn't want to be, you know, abused. Well, a big abuser was there. He was waiting for him. Everyone heard it, and they had their way with him. He had his way with him, this abuser, and beat the hell out of him. Well, for the next uh, period of time, weeks, months, whatever went on, and the kid was wouldn't talk to anybody. Uh, he went out in the rec yard, and he just had his back to everyone for the whole time he was out there. Come to find out, he found a piece of metal. And he was sharpening that metal every day with his back to the guards and all the rest of the folks. And um, one day he was in line waiting for uh, Chow. And that guy was in front of him. And uh, so he went up to his rapist, got out of line, went to the rapist and stabbed him everywhere he could. Stabbed him in the eyes, in the neck, in the chest, in the gut, and killed him. This guy got busted with pot. Two-year sentence became a lifer. How disgusting. And there's probably a lot more of those that we don't hear about. Right. So I want jurors to know, do I get that much time to spend with folks on issues like that? Not really, but maybe your podcast could, you know, hopefully be one of those areas that people could, could hear this and, and uh, maybe read this book by Jim Hogshire. Um, you are going to prison, and it's uh, it's sick. It's dirty. It definitely, it's not. They do not rehabilitate there. And, hmm. and uh, uh, if you're going to send somebody to prison for a victimless crime, you're you're sending them there to be killed, raped, uh, beat up, become. You know, a lot of guys don't want to be racist, but they have to go to their own kind. It's the only way you can get protection. So, and you got to prove yourself. You don't prove yourself, you're, you're just going to be somebody's bitch. And the distinction we want to make is that there's a lot, there's a lot to glean over. But the, the, the key distinction to me is the victimless crime people versus... And still, the, the murderer deserves a jury trial, and, 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 and I, I can't talk about all those things, but that's not weighed the same. The guy who got busted for two joints versus the guy who's in jail because he killed somebody, that's not the same, and that doesn't get weighed the same. But certainly, so they shouldn't also get treated the same. And I, I think that is a distinction that needs to be made, that People listening are not paying attention. Wait a minute, what did he just say? No, and that was the property damage, theft, bodily harm. Those those are real crimes and deserve real attention from real juries and real judges. And and that's all another issue. But you know the the J. Does <laughs> anybody get arrested for jaywalking? But it seems almost that ludicrous for 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 victimless crimes of carrying some pot. Whatever you got, that's that's a that's a, a disproportionate response to the problem. Right. So they create a lot of crime by putting innocent people in jail. Um, they have to right. become criminals. They have to. I, they're going to get. Isn't that funny? They're going to get schooled. When it when it, when I go to courthouses, um, sometimes I get some really disgusting remarks from the deputies walking in or even prosecutors or defense attorneys. I've had defense attorneys take our uh, brochures and walk it over to a trash can and just dump it. Defense attorneys. Why? Because they work for the prosecution. Right? Their 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 boss is the DA. The DA gives them all their work. How disgusting. Mm. I've got I've got uh, prosecutors after I give them a bunch of quotes say from founders and judges they usually scurry same with judges they don't want to confront me and plus i'll pull out my my phone and i'll, I'll film them and that scares them to death so uh, they run away like freaking cockroaches man it's hilarious um but i've had deputies tell me uh they're all guilty and you know a lot of people that's what they that's how they view defendants if you're here you're guilty 
my right. yeah my my jurors that I'm educating are walking in there not with that attitude, but that they're going to get a fair trial. So, uh, I'll tell you a funny story. Have you ever heard the story about George Bevins and alcohol prohibition? He was but I he, don't know. He was busted with a a bottle of booze. And uh, the jurors were like, how do, how do we know this is booze? So they, they cracked the top, and they all drank swigs until it was gone. They went to the judge and said, hey, man, it's empty. Uh, there's, where's the evidence? Uh, so they had to dismiss his case. That's funny. Yeah, so uh, if I ever get called to jury duty, uh, I would do my best to survive Voidier, and hopefully it's a pot case. They know who you You're not getting past Voidier. That's not you're kicking you. They know who you I've are. I've been there before, and they, didn't, they couldn't recognize me. Really? Yeah. And, Amazing. Yeah, so the DA knows who I am. I've, I've hijacked one of his forums, and and he, oh, my gosh, that was hilarious. Uh, he was like, wait, 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 what? Uh, what? Uh, and I'm like, so it. I was able, they gave me the mic. I was just asking a question. They loved my question wow. so good. They gave me the mic and he was just beside himself because I was pointing out that he was doing all these plea bargains and that there's terrorism within the, 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 uh, DA's office and that they lock up, uh, uh, one in, and so they lock up one in 17 white men, one in six Latino men and one in three black men. And this was at a forum at, at a uh, uh, South Dallas uh, gymnasium that was probably 90% black. So they got to hear what's happening in our county and that they lock up one in 111 white women, one in 45 Latino women, one in 18 black women. Uh they wanted to hear what I had to say, and I asked if anyone wanted a brochure, and I both got got attacked. So everyone <laughs> everyone wanted extra brochures. Um, matter of fact, that DA, uh, his goons, uh, they want me thrown in jail next time I'm at uh, that criminal. Really? Yeah, they said I will go to jail. So that might happen, but it's uh, I don't like to be thrown in jail for this cause because I don't want to scare anyone away from doing this kind of great work because we are literally making jury heroes right there on the spot. We I've had people come back out of the courthouse and say, I get it. We're supposed to bring our conscience in there. Judge the law. You know, they're sitting in line reading these brochures, open them up while they're waiting to go through the metal detectors. They give them a lot of time to read. They may not even go. They may just come right back up and ask some questions too. So they don't want me there at the courthouse because we're really making a difference. Um, and I'm probably guessing that the defendants, uh, some of them get a lot better plea bargains, like maybe time served or misdemeanors and time served or something, and uh, uh, and they take that and go home. Um, it's well, good for you for that's that's good work. Yeah, it's fun. It's uh, um, people don't know their powers. And I like I like yes. making these superheroes. It's really cool because it's working. Good. Folks, let's take a moment out for a word from Jake about his Tasting Anarchy podcast. Hey everyone, Jake here, host of the Tasting Anarchy podcast. Join my co-host Mason and I each week as we explore the world of wine and alcohol through a liberty lens. You can find us on all your major podcatchers, tastinganarchy.com or Tasting Anarchy on Twitter. Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Find out how much government is in your drink. Uh, let's take a switch here into a slightly different part of the show, and this is just a quick, short answer, uh, a few questions. Uh, and I think I know the answers to some of these, just because I follow you on Facebook and I see, <laughs> I see what you grill for dinner almost every night. Of the five flavors, bitter, sweet, salty, sour, or umami, which one is your favorite? Salt. What's your favorite food? Steak. What's your least favorite? Favorite food? Well, 
anything with oxalates. Uh, English food. plant food. <laughs> what gets you excited? Making superheroes. What that really that makes me happy. What turns you off? Um, injustice. I what live and mean? breathe. I live and breathe this every day. So. Um, I see injustices and it breaks my heart. All the rapes, people getting beat up, uh, going to prison, families getting torn apart. Right. That that breaks my heart. That right there. What's your favorite sound? Hmm. I'm a truck driver, and I love to hear the the turbo uh, running. I mean, that's power. I love that. 30 years doing this, and I still, I love that. The big engine. And, mm, yeah. What sound do you hate? Farts. What's, what's so, your... <laughs> uh, you, but at least you get to run. But uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Which, don't don't apologize. It's an honest answer. Okay, so my do- my I'm babysitting a dog, and she's got some problems, and uh, that's been like really bad the last couple of weeks. So yeah, that's on my mind. Now. What what's your favorite food indulgence? Ribeyes, hmm. bacon, breakfast sausage, meat. I just made some breakfast sausage the other day. Awesome. Are you happy with it? I am. And actually, it, it has, I used for. I saw clove. Quantity right? of meat. I had 40 grams of sage. I can't taste it. And it wasn't that, it was, it was not even five pounds of meat. Like, holy cow. So I needed up to sage and up to ginger. And I put a lot of ginger in it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. It was ginger. Yeah. Yeah, it was ginger and sage. And. It needs more. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Sage sometimes can be overpowering, and sometimes it can be like disappeared. Yeah, it disappears. I got a giant plant outside. I can do it again. So there's a real quick a a trick that I use for uh, getting garlic to uh, uh, be intense for garlic mashed potatoes. Even though I don't eat that junk anymore, I'm a carnivore. Uh, but I'll still make that for others. Uh, I'll uh, saute some garlic and some butter, and then I'll put black pepper in there. And that really brings out that garlic. I wonder if that could happen. Well, ginger and garlic. The Ginger does the same thing to garlic. And it's, okay. it's kind of amazing. If you Not powder dry, but you slice fresh ginger. Now, I wouldn't do it for mashed potatoes, but if you're doing it for like stir-fried veggies... Like, mm-hmm. think, think Chinese, Japanese, Korean. It's one, you get the ginger flavor, which is fantastic, but right. it makes the garlic garlic ear. It's, it's really kind of amazing. And garlic is umami to begin with, but then it just boom, more. Good trick. It's fantastic. And ginger can be caramelized a little bit, and you can do it with steak too. Um, and that little bit of caramel on the ginger changes, I mean, just your whole palate changes like, wow. This is Carmel's your friend. And pretty okay. much everything. Uh, how can people? You mentioned the website, the Fully Informed Jury Association. So is that is that your website? Is that their website? What that's else? It. How else can people learn about jury nullification? Okay, so that's uh, their website is fija.org, and you can look them up on social media. Fully Informed Jury Association. Uh, especially Facebook, um, they do need donations. Um, it's basically a one-man operation these days. There's uh, uh, a gal took a six-figure job and threw it out the window and took this job. And there's some days that uh, you know she's she's squeaking by, um, but she supports me in everything I do. Uh, she sends me a lot of brochures. Um, she doesn't make me buy those brochures. That would be very expensive for me. Um, so uh, 
I'd appreciate if any donors out there could help her out, throw some dollars her their way, Fiji. Um, I also have a website and a my own brochure, but uh, my website is juryhero.com, www.juryhero.com. You can also find that on social media, Jury Hero. I have it actually as juryhero.com. And um, I did my own bro brochure because if you can see right there, I'm not a nonprofit. I do this out of my own pocket. Right. But I'm going to promote any uh, prohibition. So there's a pot leaf there. You're not going to see that on their brochures because the government won't allow them to do that. But um, I'm a little bit more raw than Fiji. Um, I may uh, say a few things that aren't uh, kosher in a lot of environments, but uh, I will talk about the rapes. I will talk about the beatings. I will talk about the murders. Uh, that are happening in prisons, the horrible conditions. Fiji has a tendency to, you know, be uh, um, more scholarly. <laughs> I'm not that way. So uh, they're going to be appropriate in every which way they can. Uh, but I'm going to be more realistic. So I, that's why I started Jury Hero. I wanted people to hear with, with uh, you know, the hardcore truths that we are facing in our society and that's our brothers sisters mothers fathers uncles aunts uh grandkids going to jail in these places everyone has been affected by this so uh i'm not asking for donations but uh you know please visit my website uh we've uh i've got a video up about uh your uh, uh what to expect in jury duty you know serving on a jury right. so many it's less than six minutes, so uh, good little watch. Some friends of that put that together for me. And, uh, Very good. Yeah. I will put the links to jurihero.com and fiji.org on today's show notes page, which is culinarylibertarian.com slash 162. And, Bob, I want to thank you for – you You were my – you are my podcast hero. I asked you yesterday, <laughs> and you're here today. So, boy, I you you helped me in the spot, and I really appreciate that. That was uh, that was quite heroic of you. So, thank you so much for for accommodating me. My pleasure. I uh, I want this message out there. Well, it will be out, and we'll get that out, and I will send you a link uh, so you can share it on your uh, on your webpage and your Facebook page. Thank you. My pleasure. So thank you so much. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, folks, that's going to do it. I'll leave the link to the So You Are Going to Prison book on the show notes page, culinarylibertarian.com slash 162. I'll also add the link to the Fully Informed Jury Association so you can see what they are about and how you can help. Thanks for listening. Please share this episode on your social media feeds. This is important content most people don't know about. Also, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. If you like the show, I would appreciate your support at culinarylibertarian.com support. You can become a patron on Patreon or donate through PayPal or pick up a coffee mug. Have a good week and I'll see you soon. Music for the Culinary Libertarian Podcast is provided by Matthew Bankert at mattbankert.com.